I'm excited today to get back into talking about spiritual practices. Um, and today I am talking with somebody that is uh, been a huge influence on my life. And it's my first time, you know, seeing him face to face over Zoom. So that's really fun for me. Um, as a reminder, I'm Danielle Mayfield, and I'm a part of the Faith and Justice program. And um, yeah, so today I am talking to Dr. Randy Woodley, and he is the author of numerous books, but the one that really changed some fundamental things for me is his book, Shalom and the Community of Creation and Indigenous Vision. And uh, it, it's one of those books, I have a copy, my copy here, and it has tons of coffee stains on it and a ton of note cards stuck in it, which means it's a book that has been well used in my life. And yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons I found it so impactful is because growing up in white evangelicalism uh, is a slow understanding of how impoverished our view of the common good was, um, was a really hard and lonely realization when I couldn't talk about it in my community. And so finding this book was just so important for me and for it to be like, hey, this is a biblical concept and it's actually an indigenous concept as well. Just two bigger frameworks in my own small community just to like rest in. I felt a, a lot of rest when I when I read the book. So um, that's my experience with, with Dr. Woodley. And just as somebody who has such beautiful... Um, beautiful ways to talk about the scriptures and uh, what a good dream to have is. I just thought it'd be great to talk to you about spiritual practices. I did want to start this off because we're still in the middle of COVID. We're still in the middle of chaos everywhere. Just a question of how are you doing today? You know, how are you coming into this uh, short conversation? And, you know, if there's anything else you want to say about yourself before we, we get into it. Thank you, Danielle. Um, nice to be with you and see you face to face. Literally, all we see is faces, right? <laughs> uh, this is the real face to face. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I really appreciated uh, uh, the last book you wrote too. And because uh, I, I talk a lot about um, American exceptionalism and American dream and all of that sort of thing. So it was really good to see somebody uh, put that in a whole book. It was great. Um, so uh, I'm a farmer, um, a professor at uh, Portland Seminary. Um, my wife and I have a, uh, uh, about 10 acres outside of uh, Portland, Oregon, in the foothills of the coastal mountain range called Alahe Indigenous Center for Earth Justice and uh, Alahe Farm and Seeds. And so we're, we're primarily our farmers, um, I think, being a theologian is just um, somebody who thinks about God, uh, thinks about creator. And, um, and you can either, everybody's a theologian of some sort, you know, I mean, I guess you're either a good one or a bad one. I don't know. Um, hopefully uh, after years of practice, I'm, I'm in, in, as we would say, I'm gooder than I used to be. <laughs> so um, uh, I was trained in intercultural studies, um, which, could practically be associated with missiology, which is, and I've been a missionary. I've been a missionary oppressor also. Um, and uh, yeah, written a bunch of books and got a bunch more coming out. I think I have three books coming out in 2022. So um, it's been, that's one of the things COVID did 
positively wow. for me is giving me a chance to do some writing. So, um, and one, one I'm really excited about, I mean, I'm excited about all three. Um, can I mention the names? That, oh yes, please. So the, the first one is called, um, becoming rooted. Uh, this is an advanced reader copy. It'll actually be a hardback, uh, becoming rooted 100 days of reconnecting with sacred earth. And it looks like this and that'll oh, wow. be out January 4th. And this is, when you talk about spiritual practices, that's what this book is about. Oh my gosh. I mean, every, um, instance, yeah, there's, there's 100 spiritual uh, reflections and then something to actually an action to take that day as a result of reading this, the, that meditation. So, so it's a hundred day journey. Um, and the idea behind it is that if we can, cause the, the Western worldview is a, just a really dysfunctional tainted, um, sick worldview, mm. and uh, it's not going to sustain us in the future. And so, what my attempt, um, and just about everything that we do, is to um, to get people to um, basically convert from a Western worldview to a more indigenous worldview. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we ask people not only to get in touch with their own indigeneity, which everybody's indigenous from somewhere at some point in their DNA. Um, but also to get in touch with the land and the indigenous people who uh, are on the land or were at least on the land that they occupy now. Um, and so um, so t- tapping into people's indigeneity, trying to get them to think more like indigenous folks in a more sustainable, uh, regenerative way. And if we can do that for 100 days, I think we can convert people. So this is kind of coming in the back door, if you will. And then um, and then I have a book that goes right through the front door uh, coming out in April called uh, Indigenous Theology and the Western Worldview, a decolonized approach to Christian doctrine. And uh, and then I have a book coming out late in the year in 2022 called uh, Mission and the Cultural Other, a closer look, which looks at uh, the whole practice of Western mission. So, um, so yeah, COVID has been good to me in that regard. Give me some time to write. COVID also um, allowed me to speak in lots of places where I would never get to travel to. Mm. And so in, in that sense, uh, it's great. I was in Canada, Australia, New England, you know, all over the place. And, and, uh, so, um, so that's been nice because normally I don't really travel much outside of the region because of our farm and other commitments. And so, um, you know, the Pacific Northwest and Northern California and the West a bit, but that's about the extent of what I like to do. Maybe once a year, I'll take one big trip somewhere. But uh, um, And then it's been very rough in terms of um, family, um, you know, being able for a long time, not being able to see any of my five grandkids, mm-hmm. um, then uh, seeing them restrictively and uh, um, not having people over. We're, I, I guess if you could say like, the, what's the one thing that you guys do? we extend hospitality to people. Um, and we always have. Um, my wife grew up in a home that uh, on the Wind River Indian Reservation in Wyoming where her family always had relatives and others living there and inviting friends and strangers. Same thing with me. I grew up in uh, Michigan and um, basically, um, uh, you know, had people living with us and staying with us at all different times. And and our whole marriage uh, be 32 years in December um, is our, we've almost had an open door policy. And so this has been really rough on us, not having people in, in terms of 
just being able to extend hospitality to people and get mm. to know them and, and spend time with folks. So, so yeah. And then, you know, there's been some uh, ups and downs along the way in terms of um, uh, our kids and things that they're going through and all those kinds of things. So, you know, probably like everybody, we've had uh, some really tough times and we've had some, some okay times during, during this uh, pandemic. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And for one, I'm like so jazzed about your books and that you actually have one on the very topic I reached out to you about, I think is very exciting and very much needed. Uh, I guess, and one thing you said about a theologian just being somebody who thinks about God, I just made me smile because, um, you know, I'm not like an accredited theologian or, or anything, but I, I spend a lot of time thinking about God and I'm always just looking out for other people who are doing that too. And so it just feels really great to be around people who are also doing that. But it made me wonder as you were talking, um, I mean, spiritual practices is a very wide term. And so it, of course, it's going to be different things to different people. But um, I'm wondering if you would say like hospitality, the open door, all of that has been a spiritual practice for you in your life. Um, that's sort of what I was hearing as you were talking. And then COVID obviously taking away that spiritual practice, right? Like for me, one of my spiritual practices has been very deeply rooted in my neighborhood and my neighbors. And so it's been so jarring to have that taken away. And I've, I've experienced some anger and grief, even at God saying, I was practicing these things and it was helpful for me. And now it's all gone. Like it's been my worst nightmare to live in a pandemic where you, it's unsafe and unloving to be with people. It's just been really hard for me to wrap my mind around. I, w I wonder if there's anything like that for you. Well, the one thing is, you know, the we actually always have a community surrounded around wherever we live. And it's usually around our, uh, uh, our native sweat lodge. So uh, my wife and I have been running sweat lodge for ceremony for 30 years. And... Um, over 30 years, I guess. Um, and, and, and that's where our community forms around. So, um, you know, people hear about it and they come and, and we, same people come time after time. And a lot of people, uh, ex evangelicals and others come and say, well, this is my church now, you know, and, you know, we don't say, well, this is our church, but, um, but it's sort of treated that way by some people. Um, and so because sweat lodges, you know, if people don't know a sweat lodge is a, 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 a small hut that's in a circle and people go in and you, you heat up rocks outside and you bring them in and then you pour water on them and it's steam. And so it's pretty much like a Petri dish, if you will. And so um, we've just been unable to do sweat now uh, since uh, the beginning of the pandemic. And therefore our community has sort of fallen apart as well. So that's, that's um, uh, a, been a big challenge. Um yeah. And, and I don't know, let's see, let's talk about spiritual practices. So, so what does it really mean to be spiritual? Right. And it, we come from a long line of um, the like Western worldview that was developed from the Greeks, passed down to the Romans, the British, and then to America. And with it, uh, besides other things like white supremacy and other things that, that floated with that along the, the way, was a, a philosophy called Platonic dualism, right? So named after Plato. 
And uh, Platonic dualism basically said that the, the ethereal, those things that can't be named, those things that can't be physically touched. Um, and so uh, spiritual people would say, well, the spirit is ethereal, right? Um, the mind, uh, all of those kinds of things began to, in Plato's mind, um, take a higher uh, uh, significance in thinking than the body. So then yeah. the body became less than spirit, right? And so, um, and then his student Aristotle, and then Aristotle's student Alexander the Great spread it around the world. And then uh, then it went, you know, kind of uh, down for a while. And then came the Renaissance, and it brought all the Greek thinking and Greek art and Greek architecture and all of that back. And then that was right during the time of the, um, both the the Reformation kind of catches that. And also, um, so does the um, Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And so all of those influence come to America and to where, uh, especially the church bought into this um, hook, line and sinker, that the spirit is this ethereal component that's most important, keeping our spirits up, right? And that the body is less. So when we talk about spirit, we are not really like a spirit and a body. We are all of this, but it helps us to break these categories down and talk about them. So, so to get, try and get a handle on it, because spirit is really something that you can't define. I mean, we're going to have a hard time talking about it right now because it's meant to not be defined. There's meant to be a mystery, mm. uh, in, both in creator. Um, some, some of our words, you know, in uh, native translate to great spirit or great mystery. Um and you can't define who God is. You could try. And the same thing with spirit. So we we are grasping for language to cover something that is there's no language for. And that's okay. As long as we realize that this, uh, this is something that comes together as a package. So I'm spiritual. And I can say that I'm body full as well. And they go together. Incidentally, um, generally the scriptures talk about spirit, not as, you know, the, like letting the inner tube, the air out of the inner tube and Casper, the ghost flies up, but as spirit being in another body, a new body. Right. So, um, uh, so we really don't have the idea of spirit without body, except for maybe the exception of what we would call sort of wandering in between. But um, uh, so, so yeah, spiritual practices then, if I think of them, they, they are meant to remind me that I am a spiritual being, not mm -hmm. just a body being. And we have this strange mix in America. We're one of the most materialistic cultures probably to ever live uh, and the most individualistic. But, um, but we also are platonic dualist in that we think about ourselves as the mind and the spirit more than we do as in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a paradox, right? So um, so how do we uh, remind ourselves of both? So um, so and that was one of the the goals that I had when I wrote Becoming Rooted um, was to say you know let's do a, a hundred days of reflection. I got to sixty and I, I ran out and I was like, oh my gosh, I wish this would have been sixty days of <laughs> meditation. But my <laughs> wife helped me. <clears throat> basically by reminding me of a lot of different things. And I finally got to a hundred, but um, uh, so a hundred days of 
thinking it starts off with a quote by and this by incidentally is not just a christian book this is a book for spiritual people regardless mm-hmm. so it comes it starts with a quote by a great leader and then i give a page and a half to, a page to a page and a half of meditation or reflection and then after each one there's a simple here's what you can do today to take action with your body right so that so that I'm trying to bring this balance. So what does it mean for me to be a spiritual person? It means to be in balance with my spirit and my body together. And that means that um, it's what I do with my body and my arms and my feet and my hands and my voice. And it's also what I think and what I feel and all of those things all together. That makes me a spiritual being. So, um, uh, yeah, so I don't necessarily think about practices as um, like, like, except for reminders to me, reminders to me that, um, I, uh, uh, Rene Descartes, one of the famous enlightenment uh, philosophers said, you know, I have, a, uh, I am a mind, but I have a body. Well, that's the wrong way to think. We are a body and we are a mind and we mm-hmm. are a spirit. And, you know, some people call that the tripartite theory. All of that is one. Mm-hmm. Right. So the problem is when we start building theologies and 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 I'll wind down with this. Um, we start building theologies and philosophies based on the spirit or the body without the or the mind without thinking of them as a whole. We don't put them back together as a whole. We are a whole being. And so it's what I do with my body is spiritual. What I do throughout my day is spiritual. What I do with my mind uh, in my to remind myself that I am a spirit is spiritual. So, um, so, so I do some things, right. I do, I do some, you know, things that remind me, I start every day uh, with a, a pretty simple water ceremony that reminds me of the elements. And that reminds me to, to start my day with prayer. Um, and um, uh, I, I don't want to go into detail about all these practices because um, it feels uh like those are my personal mm. relationship things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and and I think we all need, need our own stuff. But um, but I I at least I begin the day reminding myself like the fact that you know water is life. Um, you know you can't live over three days without it. Nothing lives without it, basically. Um, and then I think of the other elements, you know, a fire, um, the earth air, all the things that we need to exist as both a person, as a people. And then I think of my children and my grandchildren and I, and then I begin to think about others and um, finally pray for myself, you know, to, uh, to remember these things, to live in harmony, to live in what I would call Elohe, uh, a, a good way that is in balance with not just my, myself as a whole person, but also the whole community of creation. Mm, mm-hmm. So we're talking about, you know, the 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 trees, the animals, um, the um, you know the other people. The people who are different than me. The people who seem the same as me. Although I, I don't think I really met anybody just like me. I'd like <laughs> to, but I haven't yet. Um, uh, the uh, you know the the, the insects. Um, and they, their role to play in 
you know, all of these things, we're all related in a way that we have a symbiotic relationship with one another. Um, we're very interested in justice for the earth because we know that um, the Western worldview is trying to destroy the earth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we need it to live. We need to be in relationship with it. So, um, you know, all of those things, uh, that whole community of creation and understanding myself within it as standing as one with it. That's my spirituality. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. And I think you just setting up sort of the context we live in is so helpful because I know I can't be the only one that is like, I'm getting very confusing, very mixed messages from the, you know, white evangelical church about how to have spiritual practices in an individualistic materialistic world. So I just really appreciate you kind of naming sort of that tension. Probably a lot of us feel, um, trying to be whole people when we've really been taught to fracture things our whole lives and to separate things and, you know, compartmentalize things. So I, I appreciate you saying that for me, I am just much uh, more of like a, a feeler. And so I can just see in my own story, right. Times where I was just do, 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 do. And then times for me, it was when I had my kids, um, I had to go inward and think and process and do all of that work. And then obviously the goal is to do both, to be somebody who is contemplative and is able to do actions at the same time. And so I just love this idea. And also, of course, in your work, you're very much about how do we view uh, creation as a whole in our spirituality. Maybe that's not how you would exactly phrase it, but I do see within white evangelicals progressives, there's some talk of going out beyond the individual to our neighbors. And I feel like you take it a step farther, you know, obviously to say creation as a whole. So you already shared a few things. Is there like one or two things from your book that come to mind as something you want to share right now? Or if it's also fine if you're like, just buy it in January. <laughs> And read, but I'm, 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 I'm curious to know if there's more, um, I know people want to learn more about how can the ways we are trying to become whole people, how can that involve an awareness of creation, especially if you're like me and you've been taught that that is absolutely not a part of your spiritual journey. Yeah. So part, part of my uh, quote unquote spiritual practice is to collect myself outside or at least be looking out the window. Right. Mm. I mean, there's so many, uh, I, I always thought church is so ironic, right? Because most of the time, or a lot of churches anyway, um, you have these stained glass windows and it's kind of dark and dank inside. And, um, and, uh, and that's where you're supposed to be spiritual. Right. And, um, and, and yet you're looking at everything that is human made. Mm. Right. So what it says is, oh, think about, it. aren't we great as human beings? Look at all the things we've done. When you go outside, now you're looking at what God has created, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the real stuff. That's where everything that was inside that church building was made from the things outside that church building. And the creator uh, gave us the gift of the plants for buildings, for furniture, for medicine, for food, for all of those things. And so, um, I used to, I had a, a friend who was a Quaker pastor uh, for years and, and um, he used to invite me to their uh, unprogrammed meeting, which was 
you know, you, you set around in, in, I think a circle, I'm not sure. And, um, and, and then when you hear from the spirit, you mm-hmm. say something. <clears throat> and I just, you know, I said, does it meet in this room? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, then I, I won't come because that's not where God speaks to me, you know? And when I pray, I pray with my eyes open, you know, because I'm looking around at what's going on. This is, you know, God is in everything. That doesn't mean everything is God, right? I'm not a pantheist, but I am a panentheist. Creator, spirit, hand is in everything. And so, um, so I look at, you know, yesterday I was watching uh, four deer in my front yard, two does and two fawns, really nice to just watch them and in their grace and the, the, their eyes and, you know, how smooth they are and everything. It's just, it's like creator has made this wonderful world. I mean, you can watch ants. The plants are, you know, what my wife and I are just amazed by the plants because we have lots of different plants growing. We collect seeds and we have a seed company. And, and so um, it's like, you know, the, the creator's excellence is shown in those things. That's our first teacher. Mm-hmm. Creation mm-hmm. is our first and primary and longest teacher. And so before anybody ever picks up a Bible, you know, or learns how to read, they can see, you know, the things around them and they know, well, humans, my mom and dad didn't plant these trees, you know, or they didn't make them. Maybe they planted them. But um, when you see like, like on our property, you have a number of three, 400 year old trees. And you think about like what's happened on the land before that. Mm. And who were the indigenous people, which were Alapuyans in our case. And and what did they do? And you learn more about that. And you, you realize that that we're just here for a very short time and we're so privileged to be able to participate in that community of creation. And so many of us ignore it by just shutting ourselves out, right? So I like to uh, shut ourselves in. So I like to be out mm-hmm. and I like to um, watch what's going on around me. And I, I feel closer to creator that way. Um, so I guess, yeah, you'd call that a spiritual practice. I like to sit on my, my uh, back porch swing and just look at the mountains and, and, the clouds going over them and, and, um, and it makes me in awe of mm. our creator. Um, I don't get that feeling when I go inside a church, it's all about what's inside my head or somebody else's head or, you know, but it's not inspiring in the way that it is to, to see what God has created for all of humanity and, and for the whole community of creation. I, I love that. And I, I too have experienced that this past summer, especially my uh, kids and myself uh, struggle with uh, anxiety, like pretty extreme anxiety. And obviously COVID doesn't help, but we planted wildflowers in our front yard. I try and garden, but I'm really bad at it. And so I was like, I'm just going to do some flowers too. And it was so amazing. We could just sit on our front steps and watch the bees because tons of bees came because we planted wildflowers and um, the poppies and just all these, these zinnias. And um, when my kids and I, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going to cry, but like when my kids and I were feeling so, so anxious, we would just go sit down and watch the bees and it really helped. And um, trying to teach my kids just a little bit, the way I was taught about God just hasn't worked at all. And they do not care. And, um, you know, they do not have a Bible time every morning. They don't have any of that. But looking at the flowers, uh, we are able to talk about that. I think there is a creator. And I think that 
that creator loves us because look at these flowers. And sometimes we talk about that with food too, because we really love food. <laughs> so if we eat something really good, we're like, you know what? I think, I think maybe there is a creator who loves us. And so it sounds so silly to say, but it's been really um, helpful and grounding for me as well, just to have those little things. And like you already mentioned, it's way easier to talk about that with kids right? That it then like the four spiritual laws or whatever I was getting told I needed to memorize the Romans road, you know, in Awana at age seven. Um, this just makes so much more sense. Kids get it. Um, I, I don't know. I just found that also to be really, it's really interesting to be a parent. And I know you're a parent, you're a grandparent. Did you ever have, um, I guess there's multiple questions I'd want to ask you, but you feel free to say what you want. But I'm just wondering, did you have anything you would call spiritual practice with your kids growing up? Did it, did things change? Um, you know, did you see a sort of evolution because that's a little bit of extra stress for people trying to deconstruct some religious ways is, is what do you do with your kids and, and spiritual practices? Yeah. So, um, I, I have two answers to that. One of the answers was, um, uh, for my older kids, um, I was, even though we were doing ceremony, uh, I was so, um, captured by evangelicalism that, uh, I, I didn't do the Romans road or make them memorize scripture, but, you know, made them go to church. I mean, you know, and, um, uh, but also they went to ceremony. So we, we tried to show them growing up was that, you know, you can be native and follow Jesus. Right. Um, and, um, and, and I think that might've been too much for them. Um, so they're now, they all now have what I would call a natural spirituality. Um, and the, they all avoid church. I mean, they might go once in a while with a friend who asked them or something, but, um, so, so I was probably, um, they would think I was extreme, but I think compared to a lot of my other friends, we were, we were not extreme but I was a pastor for, you know, seven years. So, um, and I've been a missionary. So, um, but, but then later on, as we began to realize that, um, that we don't have to sort of even try to integrate um, our indigenous values and ceremonial practices with, you know, do they line up with the Bible or, you know, sort of the way that most missiologists approach it. But, but it's like, no, all these things are gifts from God and they, they point to God and, and they're good. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so now um, we still try to speak wisdom to our children, but mostly now to our grandchildren as they're coming up. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing being a grandparent. It's sort of like you get your, you, you see more clearly. You don't have as much energy, but you see more clearly and you get a, a, a sort of a second chance of trying to do things better. And uh, so I think that's sort of where we're at. And, and our kids see that too. And sometimes they're like, well, why, why didn't you talk like this when I was growing up? And, you know, why didn't you let me read Harry Potter books? And, you know, <laughs> those kinds of crazy uh, questions. Right. So, um, uh, so yeah, you know, you're, you're talking about the flowers and, and we have our kids, our grandkids, um, go out with us, the older ones and, and uh, help plant. And we talk about the plants and we talk about the flowers and we, and we're able to do what you said you're doing with your children. Um, and, you know, uh, and I, I think it's 
okay to say, you know, hey, Jesus looked at flowers too. Mm-hmm. You know what Jesus said about flowers? Jesus said that, you know, even the richest person who ever lived and had fine gold, you know, uh, you know, uh, capes and clothes and all these things, uh, still doesn't even compare it to a simple flower that God made. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's perspective. You know, Jesus talked about natural things, not about for his day, what would have been modern things, right? Um, and um, about harvesting, about natural stuff, about trees and flowers and, you know, um, birds and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so, um, because Jesus was pre-modern mm-hmm. um, and as indigenous people, we are sort of pre-modern and kind of living in a post-modern or post-colonial mm-hmm. uh, worldview anyway. Um, it's this modern worldview that we've got to get out of that, uh, that really, um, uh, has, we've been sold a bill of goods, if you will. And, uh, we've got to deconstruct from that and decolonize from like, uh, you know, the American myth. There's a, there is a section here. I think you'll like, it's called, uh, that kind of resonates with your book. Um, so there's 10 sections in here and one of them is, um, uh, realizing the American dream is an indigenous nightmare. And mm. there's, so there's 10 reflections in each one, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really um, uh, challenge. It's, it's difficult to live in surrounded by such Americanism and such modernity and everything else. And to, to actually say, wait a minute, this is sort of a, um, I don't want to say false, like it's not real, uh, but, but this is a misinterpretation of how we're supposed to live. Yeah, I mean, when I hear you um, speak, and I think we didn't talk about this in the beginning, but you do have a podcast and you, you know, are on various podcasts all the time. But um, I've heard you speak more recently on podcasts. And, and again, I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, but I sense this just you're asking people to not conform. You're, you have this seed of nonconformity, you know, like maybe people call it deconstruction or decolonization, but I've really heard this other phrase too, as I, as I hear you talk about just not conforming and we need spiritual practices to help us do that is what I think. If I've been my whole life, right. Just on this, basically in my mind, it's just been an escalator of conformity. Um, and that'll help you get upward mobility and be a good Christian, blah, blah, blah. And so just hearing you, I sense this like, oh, my gosh, I, I need help. I need to to build some muscles if I want to continue resisting um, because you are saying and you are legitimizing yeah. what I feel, which is there's so much around me pressuring me to conform to the status quo. And the status quo is not good news for so many people. And that's just really important. Oh, and yeah. um yeah, so I, I don't know if you would characterize it like that, but I just I sense that nonconformity in you and I just find it very powerful. Well, yeah, we need to resist what's wrong with the world, right? So um yeah, I'm I think my t-shirt today is a, a fist <laughs> about indigenous <laughs> people, you know. And it's you know this fist means resist. Uh let's um just tell the truth, right? That's the first step is mm. to speak truth and um, in love 
Uh, I like that balance, right? So, but um, but we'd be willing to pay the price to to um, call out what is, you know, speaking truth to power and call out what's wrong. And we need to stand up, um, especially young folks, you know, old people like me, I've had my turn. I've done a lot of resisting. I've gotten in a lot of trouble. I've lost jobs. I've mm-hmm. been fired at with guns. I've, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, had had lots of uh, of uh, consequences of my actions. Now I'm getting older, you know, and uh, and I and, and we need the young people to to get out there and do stuff, mm-hmm. and we need the older folks, the wisdom folks, to help them. Not so. It's one thing to resist and say. We won't do this anymore. But then there's another whole equation, which is, well, what will we do? And that's where Mm -hmm. I think older mentors and teachers can come in. Then then if we're going to rebuild a system, how do we rebuild that system? And and only the older people have sort of it doesn't mean you don't have young put or input from younger people. But the old folks, hopefully, if they're wise, um, have uh, seen things and they know like, okay, well, this may not work but this might work or this or let's try this or and so um we need uh the whole human community involved in this but um i'm i'm actually really excited about the so i I have uh, children who go from gen x to gen z okay okay (laughs) so uh, uh uh and and so uh and then i i most of my seminary teaching and some colleges is mostly uh, uh, to do with the millennials, but I'm really hopeful for the millennial generation in their activism. Um, and um, I, I think there's some some similarities to, you know, I'm the from the boomer generation. I'm the younger part of the boomer, uh, you know, and I'm the you know you know okay boomer. Um, <laughs> But we actually we did some changing, right? We did bring about the whole ecological movement, Earth Day, and and uh, you know uh, you know rock and roll was a big big thing. I'm kind of glad we did that, you know. And uh, you know there was a lot of liber- women's liberation uh, that led to feminism, that led to womanism, and, and other things, maybe. Um, so there's you know it's not all bad stuff. There is some bad stuff, um, but but we wanted a different paradigm than what we saw our parents with that materialism mm. and that uh, blinded patriotism, patriotism. Um, you know, it's one thing to be a patriot. I consider myself a patriot in, in ways, but I am not a blind patriot. Um, and so that was wrong. Uh, we called it out. We stopped the Vietnam war, which still, um, you know, young folks don't understand that what was going on then, but the student movement stopped the Vietnam War, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, civil rights came as a result, you know. So all these things that are now being resisted again um, uh, were really like because of that boomer generation, and the I'm talking about mostly the younger boomers um, said, "No, we don't want this. This is wrong." Um, and so now I see the similar thing in the millennial generation and they are standing up and they are being activists and they are showing up and saying no. And, and they don't want the same paradigm. They don't want the, the homophobia. They don't want the, the racism. They don't want the 
you know, the um, terrible way that uh, that we've been taking care of the earth and different pollutions and and climate change and all those kinds of things. They don't want that. The millennials don't want that from basically what I can see in my experience. And and we have to figure out how do we sustain that to make it something that will actually change the world. And you start by resisting what's wrong. That's Mm. just where it's at. Oh, that's so good. And I think that's a great way to end this short conversation, but I'm sure people listening will want to read your books. Of course, I recommend Shalom and the Community of Creation. You have a podcast. Is it on a break? Are you coming back? <laughs> I Sorry, I'm just, yeah, we, just bringing that not- question on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's funny because, uh, uh, yeah, we, we've been taking more and more breaks. Um, uh, just different things happening in our families between Bo and Sanders and myself. And, and uh, also, you know, we wrote a book together mm-hmm. uh, uh, that came out during COVID called Deconstructing Evangelicalism. And so I think most people don't even know about that. So I want to mention it. That yep. just came out last year, but uh, we never even got to have a book launch. We were going to yep. do a book launch up in Seattle and at Inhabit and uh, the whole thing fell apart. So, um, so anyway, yeah, Bo and I have had a number of different sort of family tragedies and things going on back and forth. And and it's caused us to not be as regular as we'd like. But, yeah, we need to get back to it. So thanks for the reminder. Yeah. And, the, and can you remind me, what is the <laughs> piecing title? It all together is the, yeah. yeah. Piecing, piecing it all together. Piecing like P-E-A-C-I-N-G. Yeah. Piecingitalltogether.com. Yeah. And then yeah. this this book of spiritual practice is coming out in January. That's so exciting. And um, I just I'm going to go pre-order it after we hang out. But thank you so yeah. much for coming and chatting with us. And um, I just really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Danielle. So nice to, to finally meet you. I'm just a, a fan of your writing. So you keep it up, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you.